Hello, and welcome to What We Brought Home with your hosts, Mike Izzo and Pat McGinty. We invite military veterans to anonymously share their stories of war and service, specifically the stories that they hide from the world. The stories featured on this podcast often include sensitive topics like death and violence that might be triggering for some. At times, you might even hear us or our guests laugh at situations that are actually quite serious. Like other jobs that involve life or death situations, grim and ironic humor is often a way to cope. Listener discretion is advised. Also at times, you may notice breaks in the audio. We take anonymity very seriously and we edit stories to protect the identities of the storyteller and others involved. Finally, if what you hear in this episode reminds you of one of your own experiences and you want to share your story, let us know. If it's something from your time in service that you often think about, but rarely talk about, you're not alone. We're here to listen with no judgment. All stories are shared anonymously. Go ahead and visit our website, whatwebroughthome.com, to learn more. Hello, and welcome again to What We Brought Home. Uh, We are here with our next guest, and uh, he's an Army veteran. Uh, and I'll let him talk a little bit about his background. And uh, without further ado, uh, I'll hand it over to our guest. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Pat and Mike. Uh, I was an infantry officer back in uh, the mid-2000s, and I served in Iraq and a deployment in 2004 and five, then six, seven, and eight as well, OIF two, and then OIF six through eight. Well, in 2006, I was on my second deployment. We are about halfway through our deployment, about six months into it. And we had pushed out from the forward operating bases to patrol bases. And we were getting set up in pretty austere conditions out of our patrol bases. And in our, in our battle space, we were an infantry company and we had... Uh, two infantry platoons and an armor platoon and a scout platoon attached to us. And, and we, we had a pretty large battle space there in, there in Baghdad. And then we had a sister infantry, infantry company that was to our north and a couple armored companies that were to our south. And it was a very heavy IED threat then in, the, uh, in 2006, 7, and 8, and 2007 in particular. And then... So it had been a pretty quiet winter, and this was in March of 2007, and we had pushed out to the to these patrol bases a few months prior, and we had new sectors. We're starting to learn the sectors. We're we're learning how to how to resupply and 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 keep our keep our patrol bases running and run patrols and and just really keep things going because we we have this ever-changing mission but we still have the same guys same soldiers and that's how we really viewed our mission was to get done whatever they asked us to do and then just take care of our guys keep them safe and get them home so it'd been a quiet winter we we'd had an attack back in october when we had three kia right right when we got the sector and uh so it'd been it'd been quiet for about five months and we're in the patrol base. I'm playing cards with guys from my headquarters section. And we heard a big, a big boom. 
And I thought, is that indirect? Did we get hit with a with a mortar, or was that a rocket that came in? Did did an RPG strike the side of the building we're we're staying in? Because we're staying in a large uh, in a large bunker, and uh, so it can take a lot of punishment if it if it was hit. But I, I couldn't really tell where it was. And then we got word on the radio that um, a platoon from our sister infantry company had, had been hit by IED just not far outside of our gates. So me and uh, another officer, we, we run up and get on the roof of our patrol base and we we grab some binoculars and, and a radio and we run up there to see see where this has happened. And it's happened, it's happened to our west and and I mean, we can see it clear as day. We can see where the Bradley fighting vehicle, um, where it, it was backing up from where the IED had gone off. The infantry guys, they had two Bradley fighting vehicles and a few gun trucks. The, the gun trucks, the Humvees had pushed forward. So they're, they're trying to, they're trying to secure themselves. And we're, and, and at the same time, we're getting reports that there's no casualties. Everybody's Okay. And so now it's really, you know, there's no casualties and their vehicles seem to be okay. So at that point, I, I send one of my platoons out to go help them pull local security and see, provide whatever assistance they need to, to get out of there. To, if they do have any casualties that maybe pop up, which, or if they need any help with exfil on a vehicle, I'm just sending my guys, go help them pull security and get them out of here so they'll be okay so during this time um my platoons making their way toward toward where this ied strike had happened and and uh set up the scene we were we were in a patrol base a two-story patrol base and we had just a chain link fence that we had put a we had tied a bunch of 10 sheets to just for concealment. We didn't have any sort of concrete or real cover in, in our little perimeter. We just had some tin metal sheeting. But then we had a Bradley fighting vehicle sitting out in front of the uh, entrance just as a, like a stopping position. And then we had some machine gun nests on the roof. And it, and it looked over this big uh, open area, which is really nothing more than just a drainage field for all the open sewage, all the open sanitary sewer and rain that they might get there in Baghdad. It was just for this little neighborhood, it would just all go into this center field. So nothing was really grown there. There are no structures or buildings there. It was just a big open field. And so we could just observe all the way across it for about a thousand meters. So the Bradley had been hit about 850 meters away. We, we had a, we had a, set of binoculars that had a laser range finder in them. And I was like, is this, you know, how far is this outside of our machine gun range? And it seemed like it, and so that IED had hit the Bradley right around somewhere between 800, 850 meters away. And it's like, that's just right there at the edge of our range. I wonder if they knew that. And we're, so as we're talking about that, uh, me and the other officer, my infantry platoon is pulling up and they're getting out of their vehicles to go talk to the platoon that had been hit with an IED. And, and during this same period, um, these six soldiers had dismounted their vehicles and they were walking to where the IED blast had occurred. Because at the time, um, there, there's a real big IED threat 
in Iraq in general at that time. And we were seeing a lot of new cutting edge materials and technology for IEDs coming through our sector. So there's this big push for us to, you know, go exploit any sort of sensitive sites and sensitive sites were considered to be, you know, if there's ID that's gone, gone off, go get some pictures of it, go look for materials. So these six soldiers get out and they're out there, a bunch of infantry guys. Um, they're out there looking for where this thing went off. And so as I'm, as I'm watching through the binoculars, um, I'm laying in the prone watching through the binoculars and, and then I see my, my platoon on the right. They're pulling up and they're starting to get out and talk to some of the guys that are on dismounted with the other platoon. And then the six dismounts that were walking toward the IED site, the, the lead one turns around and he starts waving. He's telling them to get back, you know, go, go. I mean, I don't know what he's saying, but he's just, he's making his hand and arm motions like, go, 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 get back, get back. Those other guys are each about five meters behind him. They're kind of staggered five meters behind each other. So they turn, the first two guys turn and they start running. And then the next two guys start to turn. And right then the ground just erupts. It just, boom. And you're like, holy crap. And can't see him, can't see anything. It's just this big cloud, just this big cloud of dust and dirt, just this big brown cloud of soil that's been thrown up in the air. And you're like, Holy crap. This this just happened. Like these guys just got I think they just got hit by like a secondary. And, and it goes back to one of those things that on my first deployment, like what's the most probable course of action? What's the most dangerous course of action the enemy could have? And the most dangerous for us at the time was getting hit with that secondary. You know, they they hit you with one item. And then you come back to react to it. And when you're gathered around the first item, then they hit you with the secondary, whether it's a car bomb or, well, then, so that's what, that's what's happened. So those guys are running, they started to run and then the boom goes off. The cloud goes up in the air. Can't see anything for, I don't know. I don't know how long it, that cloud was there before it dissipated, but my guys from my second platoon, they immediately start pulling back. They're, they're, moving away the other platoons humvees they're backing up all the vehicles are just backing up the the initial reaction is for everyone to just back away and about 30 seconds later after they've done their initial back away everyone that cloud is starting to settle and, and we got six guys on the ground so i'm just wa i'm just watching this I'm watching these six guys on the ground. Through the binoculars. And I see my my guys from my infantry platoon, they they don't know what, they don't know what to do right at that moment. But they they're just kind of standing there in shock and then a couple a couple of the guys dismount from the Bradley on the other platoon and they immediately run to the to the guys on the ground. Then more guys run, get on the ground. And so now we're all, now it's just get on the radio, secure the area. There'd been a crowd gathering out there. It's like, just everybody be cool. Don't lose your head. We're getting on the radio. We're calling up the 
calling up the secondary contact. We're calling up that there's six guys on the ground. Uh, we're pushing an extra medic out there now. And we had pushed a medic out there already. So he, he goes out there. I can see him. He's a big, he's a big old guy. And I can see him lumbering across the, the battlefield to go with these guys. And then, uh, so they, they go out there and they start performing performing aid while the rest of the platoon and all the guys that are there, they're trying to pull security and uh, perform aid. And fortunately, there's no vehicles that have been disabled. So every, all those can get out of there whenever they're ready. And now it's just getting guys loaded up and getting them out of there. And they, uh, they immediately call up, um, like, there were two KIA right then. And then, um, and then they said there's two more that are expectant. And they're calling up the battle roster numbers. And I, I'd known these guys because I'd been in this company. And I, I knew what platoon it was. And I knew their initials. And so I, had a, I knew, so I had an idea of who these guys were. I knew the squad leader and the team leaders. And so that, that information starting to come in. And, you know, I mean, all this is happening within just a couple minutes. Um, and then, so you have two expectant and then two more. So two, two dead on the ground, two that are about to die, and then two more that are wounded. So it's, so the focus is get those guys, just get them off the battlefield. So get them loaded up. And I'm sitting back here. I'm just watching this. I've got a radio and I'm just watching. I'm running down to our company CP and back up to the roof to see how it's going. And, and like my second or third trip back up, you know, here comes. We just happened to have a general officer touring the battle space that day. And he, here he comes rolling up with a, with the colonel and they're like, they had heard about it and like, what can we do? And like, well, y'all aren't, aren't going to do anything right now. We just, we got to get these guys. So the guys get loaded up. They get, um, they get evacuated to the closest um, Ford operating base. And so that they, so that the two guys that are wounded could be flown to the green zone, to the hospital in the green zone. And so at that point, my guys have, you know, They've cleared the objective. They've all left, and my platoon has has gone to help deliver these guys to the to the base. And I hadn't had a chance to just talk to them, and see how they're doing. But I just assume they're a freaking mess. And and so they've gone on. And my instructions to them are, you know, go drop off these guys, clean up your vehicles, and then call me. I mean, knowing that we're going to have to get them back out because it's not like them, their mission ended, but we're going to have to get them back out. But then we've got these these four K, these guys that are KIA right away. And I was thinking about a, my good friend that was commander of this, my sister infantry company. And I was like, I, he's not on the radio right now. He, I bet he doesn't even know this. And I don't remember if he was back at the FOB at the time or if he was up at his patrol base. I knew at the time where he was, but I just knew I needed to, I needed to call him and call him just, so I called him on our, this little secret squirrel phone that we had. And I called him and just, I was like, Hey man, I don't know if you've heard this, your guys that were, they were just going from the FOB out to the patrol base. They're just, they're just like, they're just going to work. 
they got hit, and then the guys were on the ground. They got hit by the secondary, and these are the guys that are confirmed KIA. And then I gave them the four names and got off the phone with them, and I just remember feeling so bad for them. Just, but I also wanted to make sure that. I, I don't know. I don't know why it mattered if I told him or someone else told him, but I just wanted to make sure he knew right then. So anyway, my my guys go back to the fob and and they were a mess. They clean all the blood and crap out of their vehicles and and I tell them, you know, like kind of patrol schedules off and like just get a hot chow, get your guys. Go see the chaplain if you need to. But then you got to come back, get back out here. And there's some little bit of protest at that, like, but I mean, that's what they had to do. We needed them out there because we're at half strength with them gone. But that was, I mean, so that's the event. It was the when the enemy's spring offensive kicked back off. I mean, we had been pretty quiet until that day, and then things progressively got worse in our sector. But I mean that that was a hard event, and, it, and it's a it's an event that that the guys from that infantry company they still grapple with it. And then as we as we continue to lose guys there and just cope and 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 I was able to compartmentalize a lot a lot of what I had. So I, I saw these six guys get attacked. And about seven days later, I was on a plane back to the United States for my two weeks of R&R. I, I wasn't sure what to tell my family. I wasn't sure what to tell my wife. I wasn't sure if I should just keep it all to myself. But that second day I was home, I was home. I, I just told my wife, and I, I started off like, I don't, I don't know how to begin sharing this. But I shared it with her just so I wouldn't have to carry it with me for those next two weeks and that was that was helpful for those two weeks but then I went back and I knew I had another six months that turned to nine months I've always been able to compartmentalize items or kind of traumatic issues and and either not deal with them or just tell myself I'm going to deal with them at a later time but there's a lot of guys that can't do that or when they do they're not sure what their trigger is going to be to to bring that that wound back that thing that they experienced back and so the next nine months were 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 more hurt and more opportunities to kind of serve with and alongside these guys but also kind of just be there to talk to the guys that were that were hurt not only by you know the loss of their friends but not sure how to cope with it and, and deal with it and and continue to continue to do their their high pressure high stress job back in two thousand and two fall or two we had a couple of guys that we had lost just in training accidents and um we had this uh priest on on post that brought all the guys together from the team and and he were just talking to us about how to kind of comfort us and help us grieve and 
And one of the things that he, he mentioned to us, I mean, we didn't, we didn't have any questions. We didn't know what to say or ask. Most of us are 21, 22 year old kids. And we didn't, this is our first friends that had, from the army that had died. And, um, but he brought up talking to the family and friends of, of our friends. So how, how to talk to the parents of our friends that had died. And, and he had said, you may, you may be worried that you might hurt, hurt them more by talking about their, their son who's passed away that, that when you talk, when you talk about him, that they're just going to get sad and they're going to get hurt. But he said, that's, that's not the case. He's like, he said, I encourage you to talk about the lost ones. Talk about, talk about your friend that you lost to their parents. So I let those parents know that, that they had lives, that they, they had rich lives, full lives, that, that it, it wasn't just a waste, that, that these guys had an opportunity for, for a good life and they lived it. So share those stories. So I didn't know how to put that into practice. And I didn't know when I would put that into practice until <laughs> until we lost these guys. I, I just remember we started telling stories and I'm, I'm with the guys from, from my old company and we're just telling stories about these guys that we, we had lost and, and just funny stories, just stories about these training, these training deals where one of the guys had been afraid of getting dragged through the mud so he got naked and then one of the soldiers that got killed ended up tackling the naked guy and wrestling him to the ground and it was just really good fun stuff and <laughs> and that was good for us within you know the peer group of soldiers but then here about so that attack happened in 2007 and and my friend, who's the commander, he stayed in touch with the with the families that he could that that are still around. He stayed in touch with them after he got out of the army, and that that's been a burden he'd really carried and had a hard, really hard time with. But he ended up setting up these this kind of CrossFit workout for these guys, and I, I had an opportunity to come back and 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 do that. And some of the some of these Gold Star families came, and. The mom, the mom, one of these guys came, and I told her that story about how he tackled that naked guy. <laughs> and she, she just laughed. She thought that was so great. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it. I mean, it was. I mean, she, she loved her son, and she misses him so much. <laughs> And she loves the guys that he served with. And she's sad that she lost him. But she also knows that he's a strong kid. He was a good kid. And that he had a good life. And and so that, you know, that thing that the priest had told me those six years prior is true. I mean, it was true. They, they want to hear. They want to hear about the loved ones that they've lost. And and it, it takes personal courage to do that, to share those stories and to talk to them, but it's, it's good. It's good to remember them. I really appreciate you sharing that story uh, and, and your, and your kind of takeaways from it. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry about those guys. I know 
Uh, sound like you you worked with them for a few years before before that this incident, right? Yes. Yeah, and uh, as... and the naked guy that was tackled was me. <laughs> I'm curious, you know, uh, you, you know, you you talked about trying to support those your soldiers, you know, while you're in. You know, are you still in touch with these soldiers today? And you know, do you see yourself as able to support them today? I'm in touch with with some of those guys. Um, some of those guys live pretty close to me right now, and. Uh, they some some of those guys have moved in together, and they've tried some different different ways to cope. Like I, for me, I've got I've got my faith in God and assurance of I have assurance of what's what there is for me after life. And a lot of these guys didn't have that when they were in the army; they don't have it now. So they try all sorts of different ways to cope, and and I don't I won't judge them for that because they're they're trying to deal with it. And and I can be there for him. And we had a one of my former platoons. We had a reunion last year or the year before at somebody's ranch in Central Texas, and it was it was great to get together. And there's a lot of beer there. There's a lot of whiskey there, and there's some guys smoking a lot of pot there. And you know, we we would have really looked down our nose on that in the army days, running out of the army. But those guys they lost their guys as well in that that platoon. They got their guys that got hurt really badly in that platoon, and I'm not going to judge them for how they have to cope. And but what can I do? I can be there. Just I can talk to them. I can I reach out to them, shoot them a text if I'm driving through Northeast Texas and Arkansas. There's one of my old scouts that lives up there, and I just shoot him a note. And a couple guys that live in Oklahoma, and a lot of guys, a lot of guys that are still here in Texas that are easy to keep up with, and. And uh, also one of my one of my guys, I'm real excited here. He's he's about one month away from retiring. He's, and so it, there's guys that stayed in, and it, I don't use the Facebook or the Twitter space, but, mm-hmm. but the text message works pretty good, and the phone call works pretty well to keep them in touch with those guys. That's great. Uh, yeah, I know I know how difficult that can be. Uh, to keep up with some guys and some, you know, everyone's a different, everyone's coping in different ways. Everyone's dealing with different things in different ways. And uh, yeah, I definitely know. I definitely know what that's, what that's like. So you said you told the story when you got on R and R you told your wife soon after, but had you, had you told the story to many people in the last 13 years? Yeah. Not to strangers, no. Yeah. Uh, I've I've just managed, mentioned it anecdotally. I I spoke to some folks at church at a Veterans Day program, but I didn't go into the details. I just I I didn't. I'm not even sure if I mentioned it specifically. I probably just talked about caring for soldiers in more general terms. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was. That was an interesting program in itself because I was sitting next to this older couple, and um, the man had been in the Air National Guard, and so I thought 
they were on the program. I just met him and I thought he was going to get up there and talk about his Air National Guard experience. And I, so I go up there and share a little bit about serving and what it means to serve with soldiers and take care of soldiers. And you know, I did share the story about that the priest had that encouragement. I did, I did share about how to the encouragement and sharing stories with family. And so I did my little piece. I went and sat down and then instead of the, the guy getting up to go speak at the podium, the woman did. And I was like, what, what's going on with this? It turns out they weren't sharing their veterans day story from his perspective, but as their perspective as parents, because they were a gold star family. And, and so they told the story about their son. He was a, SF and then Delta operator and just he sounded like a real tough dude real good sounded like a real good dude as well and this just this real sweet little Baptist lady and she just had the a son that was as rough as a cob you know I mean he was just a rough great guy and he got killed on mission and she shares she shared about his life and, and the team he was with and it it just eviscerated me. Like I was not ready for that. I wasn't ready to be sit hear this gold star mother story. I mean, it just, it was, it was tough to sit and listen to because it, it made me think back to my soldiers that, that got killed. And I felt like I was just, I was seeing her face up there, but with the face of these soldiers or a good buddy of mine from school who who died in Iraq back in 05. I just pictured his parents from New Jersey sitting up there and, and his mom telling the story. And it was hard. But it, it also showed me that they want to hear, they want to talk about their kids. Hmm. They want to remember. It doesn't hurt them so much that they don't want to talk about it. They want to clam up. They want to talk about it. They want to share that story. When I'm with those soldiers that were in that company, we'll talk about it. But we don't talk about it with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that feeling of in a, inappropriateness. I, 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 I don't want to sound like some Mister Hard Hard Guy. I don't. I don't want to sound like um some macho tough douchebag telling some scary war story. Yeah. Because yeah. that's not, that's not the purpose. And I, I don't want to use it for to highlight how tough I am or what I've been through. I don't want to, I don't want to tell the story for that purpose. Yeah, and I also sometimes feel like, um, and this is me projecting on others, but I, I don't want to feel judged or I don't want to feel like uh, people think that there's something wrong with me because I've gone through these experiences, you know, like, because all they see is, is stories about PTSD or, you know, this veteran lost it here or there. And um, I feel like, I feel like it's somewhat of an issue that there's this disconnect between those who haven't served and those who have, because um, sometimes we're afraid to relay our experiences uh, for fear of being looked at, like there's something wrong with us, you know, at at least that's my feeling. Um, 
and that's caused me to bottle some of these things up too, or, or gloss over it. Um, you know, and, or only use the, the humorous antidotes. Yeah. Yeah. Or I, I agree with what both of you are saying or, or like feeling like it's a sad story. And like you, you know, people telling myself, people don't want to hear sad stories and, uh, and, you know, and then I, you know, then, then you end up going, I, f- I found for me, you know, and I, I've gone, f- th- you know, 13, 15 years without sharing these stories with anybody. And, uh, you know, it's not till I'm like sitting in front of my therapist or something when I, I bring them up and I realize I hadn't, <laughs> hadn't really told anyone, you know, hadn't told my wife some of these stories. So. And so one of the ways I've kind of cheated with this is I, I can share facts about some of these items that have happened. Like, Oh, hey, you're going to this workout. What's that about? Oh, well, let me tell you, it's about these eight soldiers that this company lost, and there's this workout of the day, and we do it, and you know, these six guys died in this IED attack, and this guy died from a sniper, and this guy died from an IED attack, and this is where they're from, and they're pretty good dudes. And I just leave it there, but I don't, yeah. I don't put my own person into it. It's more of a let me tell you how we're going to honor these guys. And I, right. I, don't, I don't go into the details of how they died or what they were doing and and how the how the soldiers reacted and had to deal with it and struggled. Yeah. Or and or it sounds like and I I do this too like or like you saying and I'm and I really miss them and I'm sad that that, yeah. that we lost them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. I feel like I know exactly what you're talking about. I feel like I've done the exact same things and it's. Uh, it's hard to do. And, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why we're here. It's one of the reasons why Pat and I started this is just to give us an opportunity to like, see if people do want to, sh- do want to tell those stories and talk in this way and, and, you know, provide uh, in a quote unquote appropriate forum for it, for if, if this is what people need. So I'm, 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 yeah, I'm really glad you're here and I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you told us the story and I hope you found it somewhat helpful in some way, uh, thinking about it and, and, and sharing it with us. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, and, you know, 13 years after this event happened, uh, we've had 13 years to process and deal with it and, and have the experience with the families and the guys that also experienced it. And I also recognize that I'm, I was not, A, I was not in control of the whole situation circumstance, and none of those soldiers out there were. So recognize, just recognize that we're not in control, so we can't blame ourselves and, and burn ourselves with guilt because there are things that we cannot control. The enemy got a vote that day. So we, we need to remember that and remove that burden. And And I've had to share that with my friends who went through it because it's not – all on now. Hey man, I really want to thank you for for coming, joining us today, uh, and and sharing the story. You know, I, I, I it remind me a lot of stories of, of my own, and 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 I hope that you know us. You know, I hope that like joining us today was helpful in some way, and uh, and, and I'm I'm really hopeful that other people when they listen to the story or, or you know will identify with it and and it'll help them too. So thank you again for, for coming. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the uh, personal courage to, to sort of bear your emotions there and, and, uh, 
get out some of your thoughts and feelings and and really give a great takeaway message too so um thank you for being our guest and and we really appreciate it thanks for having me guys all right take care thanks for listening to what we brought home if you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more please subscribe or follow us wherever you find your podcasts like we said at the top of the show If what you've heard here reminds you of one of your own experiences and you want to tell your story, let us know. We're always looking to talk to fellow veterans. All stories are shared anonymously. Go ahead and visit our website, whatwebroughthome.com, to learn more. Thanks again for listening.